Kevin Kelly, welcome to Preferred Return. I've said this a couple times on um, recent episodes with recent guests. Been a long time coming. This one has been the longest time coming. Uh, you happen to be here in the all via office today. Uh, for this is not like the first time you've been back. Welcome. I want to hear. I, I wonder when you're not here, and then I see you here. What it's like to be here. What do you feel when you're back here? Yeah, it's. Uh, it, well, first off, thanks. It's an honor to be uh, be on the podcast, and it's really cool to see what you've been able to build here over the last couple of years. But uh, yeah, coming back here, it's it's oddly familiar. Like it doesn't feel any different to me at all. Uh, it's kind of like the, um, you know, it's it's sort of the same place with different people, different faces that it changes and evolves. And it's been really interesting to me that it's never felt like you know a big homecoming or I'm coming home. It just sort of feels the the, the same as it always did. And and I think that you know one of the things that was really important to me and and really our whole leadership team and you you were you were and, and are still part of the leadership team is, you know, creating a space that kind of had energy and you can definitely feel the energy when you come in here and it's really cool. And I, and I also think that just the wide open nature of it and being able to come in and see everyone that's here. And, and uh, it's cool to see kind of coming out of COVID, there's definitely more and more activity that's happening here. And that activity happens when, when people are here together and bumping into each other. And, you know, over the last, I guess it'll be almost two years since I, uh, since I officially stepped back, um, and it definitely seems like there's there's an uptick in people coming into the office, at least overlapping when when I'm here. So it's it's exciting to see. Yeah, it's cool to have you back. Um, I I get the benefit of like I get to talk about you a lot with new employees and telling the story and stuff. And um, and then it's really cool because then sometimes you're just here and they're here and you know almost like all starstruck. And I get to introduce you and be like, hey, it's just Kevin, you know, uh, which doesn't suggest you're any less of a star to me than you are to them on that note i think was it probably i was i was trying to kind of recall back rewind the tape 2007 2008 perhaps when you and i first met somewhere in that neighborhood i think it was probably it was probably 2008 I think, yeah, yeah I, I, I could probably go back and look. I love, that's one of the things I love, you know, this world of everything gets put into our calendars, um, is you can go back and kind of look at that stuff. Although I don't know if we were on Google Calendar at that point, but yeah, it was e- either 2007 or 2008. And I recall coming to the, uh, to the Greenspring offices in, uh, in Owings Mills, Maryland and, mm-hmm. uh, and meeting at that time. And yeah, it was, it, it was clear, you know, we were kindred spirits in a, in a way, I think not, not only with the Colorado connection, but just interested in this stuff and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I remember just sort of probably both of us after we first met, just kind of coming up with like little reasons to, to keep in touch with each other. I remember when Utah and Colorado ended up in the big in the Pac-12 together. We touched base on that, and uh, and it was really neat to kind of keep that. And you know, we had a, a few more conversations along the way about business, and then ultimately Greenspring came on as a or Montague New Hall at the time came on yeah. as a client, and then. Um, yeah, I'll never forget when you when you when you called uh, to let me know that you were you were interested in coming out to Colorado and if there was anyone that I I would that I'd be willing to put you in touch with and I said well you know what what about coming to work for us and uh, and I was and I, I was kind of half kidding when I said that knowing what you were doing uh, you know I thought that there would be probably lots of opportunities and uh, it turns out it stuck so yeah yeah, yeah I remember it fondly as well and I think I've even told that story a couple times recently uh, and so that's the exact manner in which i recall it as well so there it is i'm telling it as it was yeah been a wild ride though um it's happened like what what's just sort of so being back here is one thing but just you know what overall kind of like what what do you think about it all 
I, I love that you've had a couple of years now to kind of, you know, step out, get get a different perspective and stuff. And and again, you you know, you talked about what it's like to come back here. But now I guess first off, what are you up to now? Yeah. Let's make sure we set that as a foundation. Yeah. So one of the thoughts that popped into my head and I and I think it might be relevant in this context is you know, one of the things that I, I thought was really interesting about my initial experience and, and also your experience, you know, so my initial experience coming from helping RCP as a as kind of a, a contractor or an advisor and them being a fund of funds. And then I think also the experience that you brought here coming from Montague and now, now Greenspring, um, or I guess now Stepstone, as a, as a fund of funds. So that for, for some reason that kind of popped into my head is like, I always think about it was so awesome that this first client that I had or the first opportunity I had to work in the space was the fund of funds because it you know, gives you that perspective of like really being in the center of the universe and the, the view of the world as a GP and an LP. And I think that that was something that you brought as well. And I think that that was probably something that we shared that we'd be in some conversations with, you know, with other super smart people. And we would have this perspective of like, I know that it looks like that, but it also looks like that. And there's like all, all this nuance. So, um, I don't know that that just kind of popped into my head in terms of like what what's going on and, and something that we shared. But to this question, so I am now the chief information officer of P10. Uh, P10 is a publicly traded holding company that's based in Dallas, and P10 really kind of came into being uh, back in 2018 when they formed a partnership with RCP Advisors. And as as you know, and maybe other people listening to the podcast know, RCP Advisors in Chicago was and is client client zero for Aldvia. So. I started working with RCP as far back as maybe even 2004, kind of 2004, 2005, uh, building an access database for them. And, and I've got a funny story to tell you. I love uh, when you talk about the access databases. Yeah, yeah. But I love you work with access databases yeah, even yeah. more still. Um, but, you know, so I, I so I had gotten the start with RCP in, 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 in 2004, 2005 maybe. Um, and I built this database for them, and then the database kind of grew, and, and we can get into sort of the how how Via kind of grew out of that. But you know, RCP is kind of really where I, where I got my start in this space, and they've continued to be a great and a great you know firm that has kind of pushed old Via I think to do cool things. And so um, P back in 2018 kind of formed a partnership with P10, where they created this this entity that was a sort of a holding company, and the idea being that they would be able to go out and acquire other managers with the idea being that RCP had done some really, really cool things with data that, that both you and I had had a lot to do with over the years in terms of building out that infrastructure. Now, lots of that, most of the heavy lifting was done by Lindsay and, and Ross Koenig at, at RCP in terms of like building that out. But but one of the many things that, that I think P10 saw as very appealing about this partnership with RCP was the, in the discipline that they had around data. So, you know, uh, from 2018, P10 went on to acquire um, now six other asset managers and um, when I decided that I was going to leave uh, Aldvia in the in the spring of, or late late spring of 2021, when that when it kind of came clear, I wasn't initially planning on going back to, to work right away, um, and uh, was able to negotiate and and you know sort of navigate the transition here. And, and in July of 2021, kind of exhaled and said, "Wow, I guess I don't know what I'm going to do next, but um, you know we'll wait and see." And and literally two weeks later, after I had officially wrapped up here, uh, the guys from RCP reached out to me and said. Hey, um, we've got a little bit of change here. Is this something that maybe you'd be interested in coming back to help us 
with. And, and at that time, I looked at it and, you know, I think originally RCP was like, you know, we need someone at RCP. And I looked at it and I said, you know, if we're going to do this, we really need to do this at the P10 level. If we're going to realize uh, the benefits of data, if we're going to be able to take this great infrastructure that RCP has, has always had in place and apply it to other managers, we need to be doing it at the, uh, at the P10 level. So that's how I ended up. I started uh, my job with P10 uh, in November of 2021. So it's been about 16, 17 months at this point. And it's been, uh, it's been really cool. Uh, I mentioned Lindsay, sure she, she moved over to P10 with me from, from RCP. And uh, we're trying to kind of carve out and, and build a, a, uh, at P10 that is assisting all of, you know, seven different private equity firms in um, implementing systems and processes and for allowing data to move smoothly between all of those and, and up to P10 where it's appropriate. And uh, it's been really cool so far. The Duke and, and Ross, shout out to Ross. Um, a lot of nostalgia memories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. with names and... Uh, Keep it, Ross, Ross. Ross would be a great person to get on here. Lindsay would be great too. Lindsay would probably have lots of uh, lots of uh, God, funny that's stories. That's a great to idea. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, you heard it here. We're, we're getting them on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then let's go back to that question. Like, just what is it that you know? You and I are very close friends. Always will be. Um, I watched you kind of go through that period. You know, leading up to um, when you stepped away. And you know, I've, I've thought a lot about that and felt a lot about that. Um, what, what was it like for you? I mean, like, what was the, the thing that um, caused you to, to feel that way? I mean, I, I can recall being like, it's okay. You can, you know. Yeah, yeah. Like trying to sort of, because I acknowledge and still imagine you know, in hindsight, that it was a yeah. very difficult thing. Yeah, it's really funny, um, Dubs, that you even brought that up, you know, that that con- several conversations that you and I had probably sitting exactly where I am sitting right now and, and over in my old office and, and kind of all places in between. And uh, while I didn't have a therapist at that time, I, I could have used one, and, and you might have been the closest thing that uh, that I had to it. And, and I think that, you know, it was such a it was such an incredible journey from, you know, I, I, I always think of like the start date of, of Apex, you know, was the precursor to Alvia, uh, is, is on July 1st of, of 2016. And it was a grind. It, it was a grind. And, and, you know, I used to always say, and, you know, you've heard me say this, like, I just want to build a great company. And if we build a great company, everything's going to take care of itself. And so, you know, but obviously there's this, um, you know, this, this sort of milestone or this milestone or, or top of them that you hit when, when you can do a transaction and work with a great firm like Bow River. And, um, you know, having done that, I just sort of exhaled a little bit and was like, wow, you know, what, what's the next thing to do? And, and I don't think, I think I've gotten better perspective on this now. I don't think I necessarily realized it at the time, but I really enjoyed building something. And I think that it became very, very clear that we were now running something. and and running something with you know with the with the mandate or the you know the the objective of, of further growth and stuff. But um, you know I think that it was an opportunity to just kind of exhale and, and look around. And I think Bow River you know brought in a, a bunch of great leaders and, and shifted some things around here. And I kind of felt like you know I'm not sure that there's a whole lot more left for me to do here. Um, and so that was something that that took I think several months for me to get clarity on. And when I got clarity on it and then having conversations like several of the ones that you had, and, and I'm incredibly grateful for you just saying like, it's okay. You know, um, the way that I'm wired, the way, I guess maybe the, the way that I was brought up or things like that, I tend to, you know, sort of be kind of hard on myself and, and to, to kind of have permission to be able to step away uh, was, was really liberating. So that was cool. So thank you for that. Of course. Yeah. Um, how do you feel now? Uh, you like now you've done it, and and I happen to know I think the answer because we sat and had uh, 
many things to eat and drink and discuss it to an extent. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I suspect there's going to be you know a lot of folks here as listeners that um, that know you and and worked with us and with you and all those things and you know like officially on the record like. How, how does it feel now? Yeah, it's been it's been kind of uh, um, it's been a really interesting you know gosh you know eight months or so I guess with with that little bit of down period between me leaving here and getting started with P10 uh, you know call, call it eighteen months so um, there, there's been lots of ups and downs there's there's been candidly lots of times where you know I've wondered like did I jump back into something too too quickly um, and the the reality is is that I, I don't think that that's the case you know seeing opportunities appear when when they appear when they're supposed to whether it fits mine or not um, and I think you know from my perspective there's not another job that I would want to be doing right now and I think that I'm probably uniquely qualified to do the job on, on behalf of RCP and P10 and the other affiliates just in terms of my understanding of you know kind of the moving parts and and some of the some of the history there's lots of cool technology that exists today but being able to understand how and why things evolved the way that they did I, I think is a perspective that that I have that's that's pretty helpful over there but yeah there's definitely you know along the way in the last 18 months there's definitely been lots of times of like gosh you know I could just be playing hockey three or four times a week and go skiing and uh the good news is that I've, I've only got one one child left at home of my of my three kids that you know well and uh she's a 16 year old daughter and she doesn't really want to spend that that much time with her parents right now anyway so uh that uh, that, that has freed me up to do some other stuff so the whole idea of like oh my god I could be home like you know hanging out with my daughter all the time that might work for me I'm not sure it would work for her so yeah man the the, the hockey thing there's a lot there uh I think you know this we, we still in one of our slide decks the end i think it's like a deck have that image yeah, yeah that amber the goalie yeah. yeah yeah and uh yeah you know i guess that's maybe a sort of poster child for for this little thought which is you know it it, uh, it it everything's you know and everything about you and everything about the history of this company is still very much alive and it, so it's kind of cool in certain cases to see like so that's at the end of like our what we call 940 on mondays whole company spends 20 minutes kind of same page and then that's at the end you know and and there's a lot of new faces around here these days but uh, you know that's like the last thing they see you know after this thing on monday morning and um it's, it's cool. I mean, I don't know if how many people know about it or how many people wonder about it, but it's it, it's right there. And nobody's like, why is that there? Yeah. It's awkward. Or anything. Yeah. It's, it's very natural. And it's just kind of one of those things. It's like another thread in the yeah. quilt that, that just is there. And part of you still with every day for that yeah, matter. Yeah, whether people realize or not. Yeah. Yeah. You got into the um, sort of P10 CP stuff. Uh, and the thing you said was, I feel like I'm uniquely qualified to, to do some cool stuff there uh you, you most definitely are uh, i think so too but i want to just kind of talk like what stuff is going on like not specifically with with what you're doing but um like now that perspective you have and what's going on in the market is an outstanding one what's your take on what's going on these days and and here's an interesting question for you to answer within that is let's say you were going back in time and you were going to start another company and i think i know that you know you're not crazy enough to go back and do that again but if you were given the viewpoint you now have like what what's going on in the market like what what sort of stuff is interesting yeah where, where are we headed yeah it's funny i i had a lunch with a guy that that's kind, kind of in in our space a bit uh, kind of kind of on the periphery of it um and he's got some neat ideas about a product is 
you know, tangentially related to private private capital markets. And and he was picking my brain a little bit. And I, and I think one of the things that they were you know contemplating is you know should we build something like this on top of Salesforce? And 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 he asked me you know straight out like you know if you were to start a company today would would you would you build on top of Salesforce? And I was like you know unfortunately the answer is maybe, but but not. Um, but I said you know without a doubt through. 2014, 2015, 2016, like w- without a doubt, I, w- I, w- I would do that again, building on top of the salesforce.com platform. And the reason is that it is, you know, it's, a, it, it's, it's, it's at the center of what lots of people are doing, like CRM and just, you know, that, that sort of stuff is, is really there. And in, in our case, like in, you know, 2006, when I decided it, w- it was time to start a company, I didn't have any capital. I mean, we raised you know, a total of $85,000 to, to launch Altvia. And back in 2006, it just wasn't viable to start a company and rack servers and build infrastructure and things like that without, you know, you know, at least 800K, maybe, maybe closer to one and a half million bucks, you know, just, just out of the gates, like just, just on servers and infrastructure and engineers. And so I think being on top of the force.com platform allowed us to actually, you know, get, get up and running and, and start to innovate and start learning about, about customers. Now, there's amazing pros and cons. We could we could probably have a podcast just about you know the pros and cons of building tech on another platform, whether it be Salesforce or, or anyone else. But um, you know, I think as I think about the, you know, it's it's kind of amazing when I look at like what's going on across P10 and all the affiliates. The, a, a core CRM is still a huge part of of what we need to be doing, and and I think that there are I've had exposure to. to you know, lots of solutions out there. And I, and I used to always say the same thing when we were talking to prospects and things like that, like the selection of the form that you choose is probably going to be less important than what you do with it and the commitment that you have to, uh, you know, using this and, and building your business around it. Um, and, and the idea of kind of like a boring old CRM is still really, really central to what needs to happen. And, and so, you know, I've got this like mandate or this vision at, at P10 where we're going to have incredible information that we are able to centralize. And, and just because we've got it centralized doesn't mean that everyone across P10 is going to be able to see it. But if we've got it centralized, we can we can aggregate it, we can work on it, you know, in, in the best way. And our ability to have great information at the center is really dependent on having well, well thought out, well used applications on the edges. And, and, you know, a CRM is, is really what's at the edges. That's what most people on, you know, that are, whether they're raising capital or deploying capital on behalf of whether it's a fund of funds or a, a fund manager or even an, an institutional investor or other LP, um, that's kind of the interface. That's that's where people are, are doing their jobs. There's a lot that we can do to make those applications be better. But, you know, I think fundamentally, kind of rambling here a little bit, but I, I think fundamentally, like, the idea that we need to have great technology on the edges in order to present the information that we have collected, uh, but also to collect the information that's that's relevant out there. Um, you know, whether it's phone calls or the status of a deal or the status of an opportunity or uh, you know being able to see shared shared data. You know, whether it's inside of our firm or. Uh, from from other affiliates and things like that, it's really dependent on well used, well thought out of uh, applications in the edges. That requires technology. That requires leadership, and it requires you know kind of process and discipline around it as well. Yeah, the other reason to have based the technology upon Salesforce.com at that time is like every. Yeah. firm in this market was number one using it and many of the early adopters were already clearly struggling with it I mean, which is how yeah. you and i came to meet right so yeah. we were an early adopter of salesforce as well and had hired a consultant you know and and i gotta tell you like in the two years you haven't been around uh, on these sales calls like there are still just a ton of folks 
yeah you know that that are, are are hitting that point still it's you know just amazing yeah and i mean i can tell you whether you know whether it's inside of p10 or other you know aos that i talk to at, at other firms it's not just people that have bought salesforce and hired that are like wait i, I thought i was gonna be better than this i mean th- this happens with like every imaginable that there's a lot of thought i think of like oh you just turn this stuff on and, and all of a sudden we start doing it and or you know start starts working we're gonna have amazing data and it's like no it requires if, if you are going to bring in a consultant it requires a consultant that i think probably understands the the industry more so than understanding the technology i mean the technology you can figure out what you can't uh, easily figure out is like how how do we take this this technology and make it really really work for our business yeah so much so you know it's interesting we were um I, I was on a sales call with a fund of funds just maybe last week and um had had gotten to understand you know some of the problems they had with uh the vendor they're with now and by all accounts this excuse me this, this vendor shall remain unnamed but I think you and I both and probably many would agree that there's, you know, some good uh, industry, you know, context and relevance like domain expertise inside that company and how that product uh, came to be. And, and it is a product. It's not necessarily like a um, sort of a sales force where you take it and kind of, you know, build it. Um, and sort of interesting, you know, because you and I have seen this a million times. We've talked about it openly. It's one of the things that still I, you know, and I'm, I'm telling the story because I still am like, this is still relevant, you yeah. know. Um, and, and in short, they, they were unable to articulate it in many conversations that we had had, but when they saw in a demo we were giving them that like one of the analytical challenges they have right now, when they invest in the same fund twice, like, like the data doesn't come out right because they have to sort of, they can only invest in one fund for yeah, one amount yeah, according yeah. to the application, you know? And so it's like, that, that remains for me one of these things to the point you were making, right? Which is just like, even with, in some cases, even with the sort of the context of the domain expertise, the stuff gets up and uh, yeah, it's just, I'm not really sure what to think about it anymore. It's been, you know, happening yeah. for so long and the fact that it still happens and people with domain expertise and you're just like, sheesh, but it, you know, it, it further your point that like sometimes even the really good domain expertise still isn't enough, at least from the purview you yeah, know, that yeah. I see it. Yeah. Well, I, I can't remember when I was used to this term, but I, but I absolutely love it. And it's this idea of like the ability to look around corners. And I think that we had, especially in the early days, you know, sort of if I, if I think about kind of maybe like 2010, 11 to like 2014, when, when, you know, we had guys like you, we had, you know, Ben Hendershot and Joe Montero that had spent, you know, 15, 18 years at Accenture doing management consulting. That's who was implementing our product, you know, and, and we had, I think, pretty tight loops in terms of here's like, it may not be obvious that we've got to do this thing right now, but, but we're going to like, we can look around corners and we know that this is going to be a problem down the line. We know that as a fund of funds, whether you pick up a secondary or whether you decide to make another commitment to a fund or, you know, as a, as an LP, like we, we, we anticipated some of those things. And I think the tricky thing was that sometimes, you know, you'd be done with just like, Oh, well, I really want it to be one click. Why does it need to be two clicks? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I get that you don't get it right now, mm. but like in 12 months, like you're going to get it and you're going to be like, trust me, you're going to be happy that, that we saw around that corner for you. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of a fine balance because you don't want things to become overcomplicated. You don't want to have, you know, you don't want to build a process around like the one time out of a thousand that you're yeah. going to have to do it. Um, and I do think, you know, if, if I think about some of the challenges of Salesforce uh, and, and building off of that platform, a lot of times how we wanted the data to be 
was it on how you could report on the data. So you, you kind of have to do some some funny things um, to, to get that in there right. And that's one of the things that I think is really exciting now is that, you know, continuing to have Salesforce be like a repository is great, but having some flexibility to be able to, you know, report on stuff and not, not have your reporting to be limited to how it's stored in Salesforce, I think is kind of a, a cool trend. And I, and I think that's an area, like we talked about Ross and Lindsay, like that's something that they were, you know, way ahead of folks in terms of like, okay, Having the data here is one thing. Now we want to have a lot more flexibility in terms of how we how we report on it, how we interact with it. So yeah, um, how about this? Is there a company you've seen? Well, even you know, f- so we're whole. But now you know you've started a company. It's been successful. You've you've stepped away from it. You're now you know, right back in the thick of of the same market, same technology, seeing a you know, a bunch of different vendors, I'm sure, you know, that are coming to you with all sorts of things. We, you know, I swap notes occasionally on, on that. Is there a company that is in that market, whatever, or outside it entirely that you look back and you go, yeah, I wish I would have started that company. Yeah. I wish I would have started it or, or, you know, I guess one, one thing that pops in my head is, um, you know, then business has, has always had this, like, you know, the, the challenge of like expenses and expense reporting has been something that has existed, you know, probably as long as there's been receipts and expense reports and things like that. And at our company, we use Expensify. Every time I use it, I'm like, oh my God, I love this. You know, it's like, like they've just nailed it. And, and they've got like a little bit of complexity. And, and I, what, I, what I love about it is like, you never feel like you're at a dead end. You know, you can like, you, you use it and you can, it'll take you as far as it can take you. And then if you have to like round off the corners on something, then you've got a way to go about doing that, you know? And it's like, uh, so that's an example, I think, as a, as a user of technology. I mean, it just makes me smile every time I use Expensify because it's just like magic and, and I love it. And they've got great integrations in the background and things like that. Um, I think as it relates to private capital markets, I would say P is is in, I mean, I used to always think this, you know, and, and RCP's top decile, top, you know, 5% in terms of, of what they're doing. Uh, I think the challenge that we've got right now is that, you know, a tech stack that was built to support one firm and really, you know, way the way it was built and the way that it evolved, like we've, we've got an opportunity to kind of modernize some things and we've got an opportunity to, uh, you know, say unscramble some eggs and, and, and do things differently and do things in a little bit more scalable manner. But I don't think that I've seen, I certainly haven't acro- come across many firms that have it as dialed in as, as RCP does. And it's been really interesting, you know, like, just like Aldvia has, has grown and evolved and there's different faces and things like that. I mean, the people that we were working with at RCP and, you know, the Rosses or the Roskies that were, you know, the ones that were the, the worker bees, you know, seven, eight years ago, like their discipline and their process has has flowed through. Like analysts at, at, at RCP, like they, they maybe don't know all the why of why you do certain things, but it's like their discipline around getting data in in a way is incredible. And because they've got that discipline at the edges, we've got incredible data to work with in, in, in there. So, um, and it, you know, you feel a little funny saying that, like I, I've always had, um, you know, CP's always, always had a special place in my heart, just, you know, give, given the history and things like that. And you know, you're like, well, I'm biased, you know, maybe they're not really as good as I thought. But one of the things that's been really cool for me in the last 18 months is to work with other CIOs. And in some cases, it's CIOs that I interacted when, when I was with Alvia. And, and in other cases, it's, it's folks that I've, that I've, uh, you know, met since then. And it's, I mean, it's trying to figure this out. You know, no, I, I wouldn't say 
that there's anyone that just has, has the magic button. And, you know, like I said, while, while I think RCP is as good as anyone, I, I know for a fact that there's lots that we need to do to improve how the how the sausage gets made. Yeah, we've, we've always kind of acknowledged that dynamic and, and even played to it. The sort of, it's just such a competitive market. So, yeah. you know, which is what I love about it, right? Like even if you're in the, at the top of the food chain, you're sort of constantly looking back, you know, where yeah. it's gonna catch you and that drives you to be more competitive and, uh, and drives everybody. So yeah, love it. Um, what else? Like, you know, kind of, so everybody's struggling with the sort of data thing. I, you know, seeing the slides still kick on today, but you know, there, you look at some of these like surveys done of private market CFOs and stuff. And, you know, usually like it, this question of like, what's the biggest operational challenge? And usually it's data, you yeah. know, and then, um, then from there it's like reporting, you know, and, and we always joke. It's like, well, it turns out those are, you know, one of the same. Yeah, kind of related. Um, what do you like if you step outside of you know kind of data and stuff like what what else are some of these folks that you interact with and stuff talking about i mean like the, the reporting's clearly related but like why is it you know why does anybody do any of this i mean what what's the sort of thing like if if you're not a technologist that that people are talking about and you're talking to technologists for the most yeah. part but like you know what's the sort of end game with with the data and reporting things like what are people kind of thinking and talking about yeah i mean i there's there's lots of themes I think I, I think that there's there's certainly a little bit of keeping up with the Joneses and and there's this idea that like you know you see a cool pitch deck from another manager and especially I think as a you know as a fund of funds or or an LP you kind of get to see this the, you know this whole world and it's like oh my god you know we saw this this deck from you know manager X Y Z partners and they're doing this incredible stuff. Uh, you know, we should we should be doing that. So I, I think that there there is a it's a little bit of, um, you know, like just keeping up with the Joneses and, and maybe some FOMO like, oh, my God, you know, we're, we're, these guys seem to have it all figured out. And, you know, I can guarantee you uh, most firms that th to the extent that they have it figured out, it looks like they've got it figured out more than they actually have it figured out. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so there's still, um, you know, there's still a little bit of duct tape and bailing wire that 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 goes into uh, into these things. And I, and I think that there's that's OK, um, that that there's that because that, that's how we evolve and you know sometimes like if you didn't have the ability to use duct tape and bailing wire to make something creative work then you, you'd never get there and and so i think there's um you know around reporting and data it's it's still a, a challenge i don't think anyone's got it completely nailed but i think that more so than what i you know what existed like 10 years ago i, I think that there's this perception that you should be doing it i think that there's there's certainly you know, if you look at other industries, and obviously folks that are in private equity look at other industries a lot, and they're able to look at that. I think that there is, you know, there is far more capabilities that exist today from a technology perspective, regardless of the industry, than, than we had 10 years ago. So I think that that folks not only feel this need, but they're like, wow, you know, we're looking at a pharmaceutical company, or we're looking at a you know, someone that does uh, daycare and, and, and they've got all this great data, we should have all that great data. So I think that there's maybe more of a, more of a, a sense that like the, the, the tools are out there. Um, and I think that there's better tools and whether it's private capital market specific technology, there's, there's much better tools, but also just, you know, the, the capabilities that we get by moving things to the cloud and the capabilities that we've got with databases and with analytics and things like that, there, there is better, better tools. But I think that there still exists this problem of like, okay, how do we actually harness this and how do, how do we make it work in our business? And it still comes back to, you know, if you want to have, if you want to know, like, you know, how you're, you're touching, a, you know, a, a prospective investor or a company or, you know, who your best 
inter- intermediary deal sources are, you have to have that log somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. and hopefully we can do some things to make it easier. You know, we can, we can make it easier for that analyst to say, you know, I got another deal from, you know, from so-and-so investment bank. Um, but you, you can't do this amazing analysis of not collecting the data and that, that problem still exists. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was talking uh, earlier today internally with some folks and was asked my thoughts and on the application of like AI, which, you know, at this point, as we sit here right now today is people really mean like chat GPT, you know? Yeah. And, um, it's, you know, it, it's sort of like, you know, it's like, well, you know, it, it's a little bit of like a bubble mania on just that term. So, you know, there's, we're hearing a lot of people that are like just simply coming out to, to take advantage of that. Like, you know, this big yeah. spike in the usage publicly, and formally by companies of, of AI. And, and you know, I, I think about like BuzzFeed sort of laying off all of their writers yeah. and going to ChatGPT instead. The stock, you know, it's like up 150% or something, right? And it's like in the long run, you know, does that really uh, do much for, for, you know, I'm not really here to say yes or no, but uh, feels like the stock price benefited quite a bit from, yeah, yeah. you know, at least mentioning it and obviously from cutting some costs too. But it's like, you know, th- that, that term gets thrown around a lot, and and especially right now, as if it is implied that there's just this obvious way to get the information that you need and which is proprietary to you and which requires translation somehow, you know, and it's just like, well, why do I have to enter this? Yeah. (laughs) You know? And when you have these sort of manias with like chat GPT, it's like, well, this thing can write an article. There's a little bit of that, but it's like, come on, you know, like, is it really that hard? Yeah. And you you just have to do it. Yeah. Or I gave it this schedule of investments and it pulled out, you know, the, the net asset value of the 10, you know, portfolio companies in there. Why, you know, it's like, well, we, we've got 250 different investments that we get. Yeah. You know, All at, different at, fonts. At, at every, yeah. every quarter. And, and it's, it's great. Like if I can sort of feed it in this machine and it pops up on the screen, but like, we don't need it on the screen. We need it like in a structured database. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think that I, I, I'll share a funny story about chat GPT. Cause I think it, you know, it really, it really speaks to it. So I like, and I think, in, in the world, you know, sometime between December 1st and February 1st, we all like went down a little chat GPT rabbit hole and, and mine was on a Sunday morning. And I was just like, I was, I just made a coffee and, and a really nice Breville coffee maker. And, uh, and I was, you know, reading about chat GPT and I was like, you know, chat GPT, write a poem about my Breville barista express and it spit it out. And it, I mean, it was like a beautiful poem. I mean, there was a few <laughs> things like, and so I sent it to my kids because my kids like big, big coffee drinkers too. And I said, Hey, you know, I was just feeling really creative this morning. And, and I wrote this poem about our coffee maker and I, and I didn't hear anything from any of them. And then about an hour later, I was like, oh, I'm just going to mess with them. And, and I'm like, okay, chat GPT, write, write a haiku about, about the you know, Breville Barista Express. So great. It writes this great, you know, and I send that to my kids in our, on our family chat and you still don't hear anything. And then I wait like, you know, 10 minutes i'm like okay write a limerick about <laughs> and i'm like they they've got to like be figuring out you Give know it's like something yeah here, yeah they've got it like I, I you know maybe i'm creative and i'm and i'm sensitive and stuff but I, I i can't like i don't have that capacity to like whip out you know limericks haiku and and poem yeah and um and so finally my daughter sophie calls me she's like oh my god i sent your poem to my friends i'm like this is incredible i was like so i got bad news for you. <laughs> she just felt like she's like you you know bleepity bleep like i can't believe you did that but 
you know, the, I, I think the funny thing is, is that, um, you know, I think, I think chat GPT, I think AI, it's going to be incredible. And I'm far from an AI expert. So, so I, I could quickly get out of my element here. But I think the thing is, is like, you know, like, oh my God, a machine can write a poem. Well, it's like the machine is only able to write a poem because lots of people wrote poems that the machine is able to look at and say, oh, this is a poem. Yeah. You know, so I, I think that, I mean, eventually I think the machines will take over, right? You know, yeah. when, when that's going to be. But I think what, what it, the, really the, the thing to me that, that it spoke to is like, you know, as an analyst, if all I'm doing is going and sort of looking up stuff and then putting that stuff into a slide deck, yeah, ChatGPT can do that. You know, but what chat GPT can't do is like, okay, what is what is the implication of this stuff? So I see it more as a tool and more as, as something that we need to embrace and we need to, you know, figure out, but it's, it doesn't, it doesn't exist on its own. Yeah. It, it can't exist on its own. It doesn't have value in, in, in and of itself. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thoughtful application of this stuff, I think is what's key, right? Yeah. Like, like, um, it could be that continuing to apply it thoughtfully in the right places to solve the right problems, um, will then train it to ultimately take over. Yeah. I also think it's a, it's hilarious that the, one of the founders carries around like a backpack. Have you seen this? He's got like a back with like a remote detonate, if I understand correctly, uh, oh, in, in case yeah. it turns. Yeah. yeah. It's sort of like, yeah, we know it's smart enough to potentially go off the rails and yeah yeah um but you know maybe thoughtfully applying it to the right problems you know many times over and over then it it, it actually does become smart enough to, to totally take over but it, totally agree with you that for the time being um the thoughtful application is what wins like i saw that you know microsoft was introducing like the ability to auto reply to emails like in inside of dynamics something yeah. like that right it was was part of of what the $10 billion they invested were going to immediately lead to, and they may have even launched that by now. Great, you know, application of making a human more effective. Like, was the news that they, you know, that didn't have to update his fork, that they just got rid of the rep entirely for chat GPT? No, I mean, but it was a very yeah. thoughtful and I, I thought like tasteful of, of where the power of the technology is. Yeah, and the ability for email to auto reply was something that's actually accurate and, and helpful to the person that had sent that email is highly dependent on that it's got a body of work to look at and say, here's how here's how we respond to stuff. So yeah, um, yeah like how did it not reply with the information that, you know, I have in my head, but which I didn't enter into the CRM? Come on. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, that's exactly right. So yeah, interesting stuff. Well, you mentioned your um, children. And uh, I just got to tell you, as we wrap it up here, uh, your children are amazing. Your family's amazing. Uh, I got to go you got to see me without kids. And so, you know, we're, we're behind you. And my wife and I often refer to your children and say, like, let's hope that one day we have children like the Kellys. So uh, not everybody that, that would be listening would, would know your family like I do. But I, I feel since you mentioned them, first off, shout out to them. Yeah, and to thanks. your lovely wife, yeah, that, Kristen. That, that means a lot. Thank you. But uh, yeah, you, you're done on a lot of things. Uh, kids, family, building a great company, all the things. So uh, tremendously to you for joining me, but uh, way beyond that, you know, for our friendship and for what we've shared, what we've accomplished yeah. together. It's, you know, huge part of my life too. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, memories definitely come, uh, come racing back sitting in this spot. I think that you've, I, I, I coined this office, the, uh, the, the travel agency, cause it's like right in the middle of the office yeah. with a big window that everyone can see in. Um, but uh, definitely have a lot of memories uh, sitting here that, you know, obviously had a huge impact on the business, but, but more importantly on, on me as a person, I think, think back to many, uh, you know, times on the road with you mm -hmm. and, and I'm grateful for, uh, for our friendship and that, uh, you called me back in 2010 or 11 or whatever and, and asked for help in my network and 
you decided to come to work for us yeah. instead. So. Yeah, man. Uh, amazing, amazing stuff. It's fun to, to recall it back. And of course, uh, people wouldn't who are listening wouldn't be able to see this. But if this doesn't sort of personify this office right now with uh, you, you suggested in somebody else did too that it kind of looked like a fort in here. And that's not a permanent thing. It's it's like this because uh, we're to dampen the sound here as we sit across from each other and not not get too mixed on my on mixed up on microphones. But at the same time, when I walked back in here, I was kind of like, this is just sort of symbolic, I suppose, <laughs> of like the the mads, this, the sort of all over the place, you know, history that you and I yeah. uh, share together, which again, I'm very fond of. So thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for sharing the thoughts and just thanks for being you. Yeah, I think so. I appreciate it. All right, man.